I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, Episode 9. He shall come into the world to redeem his people, studying a variety of scriptures for Christmas. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a come-follow-me study for busy moms. I'm Donica Contour, your host. I'm a mom of four kids, wife of a high school theater teacher, and my favorite show to binge watch is Murder, She Wrote. For the complete list of all the different scriptures that we're going to be looking at, um, check the description box with the podcast um, because we jump all over the place with these. Um, We're going to start off in 1st Nephi chapter 11 verse 33 Um, and obviously we start as we always do Um, Because it is almost Christmas, you guys. Hopefully by the time you're listening to this, I have already had a baby. (laughs) Um, I am still very pregnant as I record this right now. So by the time you're listening to this, hopefully I'm not pregnant anymore. Um, 1 Nephi chapter 11 verse 33 says, And I, Nephi, saw that he was lifted up upon the cross and slain for the sins of the world. We're looking at the character of God, the character of Christ in these scriptures. And of course, we're studying a variety of scriptures because we've got Christmas this week on Friday. Um, And that was one scripture I just wanted to make sure that I read. Um, Because I think a lot of times the world gets caught up in the baby Jesus, right? Because it's Christmas time. And we have to remember that without adult Jesus and the atonement and um, the resurrection, that baby Jesus being born is really not that big of a deal, right? Like, it wasn't the fact he was born. I mean, his miracle, his birth is still a miracle, right? It was a Virgin Mary. Um, But without the atonement, the impact of his birth is lost, right? So I want to make sure that we are keeping that in mind as we're looking at these scriptures. So Mosiah uh, chapter 3 verse 7 and then Alma chapter 7 verses 11 and 12. In these scriptures we have very clear evidence that Christ loves us so much. Um, He suffered temptations, temptations, pains of body, thirst, fatigue, even more than any man can suffer. Alma says pains, afflictions, temptations of every kind, even death, that he may loose the bands of death, that his bowels may be filled with mercy, that he may know according to the flesh how to succor his people. He went through all of these things so that he could help us be free from them and know how to help us in the depths of these wounds, so to speak. Um, In Mosiah chapter 3, verse 10, um, it says, you know, we talk about Christ's suffering, and it's not purposeless suffering, right? He suffers so that we might have a righteous judge, um, a righteous judgment, and so he might truly understand where our hearts and our minds were when we made the choices that we made. Um, I think about it a lot as having kids. Um, A lot of the times, my kids, especially my oldest, is starting to do this. She um, turns six really soon. By the time you listen to this, she will already be six. And she is getting 
very independent and there's lots of things that she wants to do. And um, I think about it in terms of like, you know, coming upstairs and she's made toast or cereal or whatever for herself and her siblings to, to you know, to help to feed her, her brother and sister. But she's left this ginormous mess that now I get to clean up and I can be frustrated about it or I can be irritated or I can come in and just see the mess and just jump immediately into that like, oh, great, now I have to do this, right? And I'm not a righteous judge in that moment because I'm not looking at, I'm only looking at the outside picture of what has happened. I'm not looking at where her heart was and where her mind was when she was making these choices to get jam all over the countertop because she was making toast for her brother and sister. Um, and Christ is that perfect judge because he comes to us full of compassion because he understands exactly where our hearts and minds were. So even if we're making, because I mean, we're human beings, you guys, <laughs> at least I am. And there are many, many times where I am making a choice because I feel in my heart, I feel in my gut that it is the right choice, that it is the most compassionate choice. And it is a freaking mess on the outside. And there are people that will accuse me of being selfish or accuse me of, you know, whatever it is. And the reality is, is that that, that was never my intention. My, my, um, what's the word? My intentions for that choice were very pure and very good, but it didn't come out that way. And so I feel like that is part of why it's so necessary that Christ went through all of this. So he a hundred percent understands why we made the choices we did, even if they didn't turn out exactly the way we were hoping that they would. Right. The, um, and this is why I've always liked the idea of, cause like the idea of you choose to be offended. Right. Um, elder Bednar said that like a million years ago. And I've always loved that because I like to, as much as I can, admittedly, I'm not perfect at it, but as much as I can, I like to believe the best in people that the choices that they make are because they genuinely believe that that is the best, most compassionate choice, even though it might hurt people's feelings, even though it might be offensive to some people. Um, because I look at Christ who did lead a perfect life. We know this, right? We know that Christ was a perfect human. And you think about all the people that were offended by him and that obviously chose that, right? They chose this to be offended by what he was teaching because it didn't match up with their worldview. Um, anyway, so little tangent there. So let's look at the plan of salvation. Um, first Nephi chapter 11, verse 31. And I love this. I just think the plan was always for Christ to offer us healing. And then this, I wasn't, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't really sure where to stick this, but I did want to touch on this. The English major in me just like geeked out about it a little bit. In Helaman chapter 14, verses three and five, we get two examples of the signs before Christ's birth. And I love that even the signs of Christ's birth, right? That there will be great lights in the heavens that will make it so there's no night before, um, his birth, right? Like the sun will set, but the lights in the heavens will keep it so bright that it's not nighttime and the sun will rise again. Um, a new star 
on the night of his birth. I love that even the signs of Christ's birth are signs of unextinguishable and unmistakable light. Because Christ and Christ's light is unextinguishable and unmistakable. And I love that. And I think one thing that's really necessary right after this, um, we, we have opposition, right? Opposition is such a necessary part of the plan. It's how agency works. Um, I remember talking with somebody one time. I wish I could tell you who this was. I feel like I've had this conversation lots of times, but that agency, it would be easy to choose if the right choice always looked like the most appealing choice, right? If sinning didn't look fun, there would be no contest, <laughs> right? Um, I remember thinking about this in high school and being so irritated that um, I was on the swim team in high school and there were kids that I knew were partying and not living the, the word of wisdom um, that swam incredibly and were like state champion swimmers and stuff. And here I am doing my best to live the word of wisdom and like the duck is out paddling me. I'm such a slow swimmer and it bothered me to no end. Um, because I was like, how come I'm following the rules and I'm not out partying? Um, and, but it's not benefiting me at all. And of course now as an adult, I can look back and be like, no, it benefited you a lot, just not in the ways that you expected it to. Um, and so opposition is a very necessary part of the plan. It's how we have choices, right? If everything was just, Hey, you can choose rainbows and unicorns or death and destruction, It'd be pretty easy to always choose rainbows and unicorns. We have to make the death and destruction look fun. <laughs> so, um, some examples of opposition we have: First Nephi, chapter eleven, verse thirty-five. He talks about seeing the great and spacious building. And one thing um, I love that the angel says is, "Behold the world and the wisdom thereof." Right? We know that from um, Lehi's vision that the great and spacious building is without foundation, right? Like it's floating in the air. And I've always loved this idea that the world and the wisdom of the world is, has no foundation, right? There, it does not, it's baseless, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, and then in third Nephi chapter one, verse 22, it talks about how shortly after, um, the signs of Christ's birth were seen, right? We've already seen them. It's already happened. Satan sent lyings and deceivings to harden their hearts to the intent that they might not believe in those signs and wonders which they had seen, right? This isn't like, you know, oh, so-and-so says that this thing happened and this thing happened and you shouldn't believe that. It's you saw this with your own eyes. You, you beheld this wonder and this miracle and I'm still saying you shouldn't believe it and he's still getting that. Like he... This is why faith has to precede miracles, why miracles alone do not create conversion. I mean, we all know Laman and Lemuel are the prime example for miracles not creating conversion. I mean, how many angels did they see? Like, seriously, how many miracles did they witness? And still they were like, mm, no, I think Nephi is making it all up so he can be a ruler over us. That's, that's what's really happening here. And that's why it's so important for us to build our own 
faith in Christ. Because without that, it's very easy for Satan to come in and whisper those lies and whisper those deceivings in order to um, undermine the incredible things that we may have even seen with our own eyes. Okay, Um, We have to choose to believe. We cannot be compelled. We cannot be forced to have faith. It has to be a choice that we make. Um, And then I was looking at Alma chapter 11, verse 40, and Helaman chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. And I think sometimes we, we hear in the world that Christ has saved everybody, right? That, um, if you're here, you've been saved. Congratulations. And that's kind of true, right? So Christ has saved everybody from physical death. Everyone who has ever been born, everyone who's ever received a body, everybody who kept their first estate, made the choice to follow Heavenly Father's plan to come down to this earth, will be saved from physical death, or rather they've already been saved from physical death. Christ has already been resurrected. Meaning that every single one of us, regardless of what choices you make in this life, You will be resurrected. You will receive a perfected body. Our agency worked, right? We chose to follow Heavenly Father's plan. It, we, we got that, that box has been ticked. Regardless of what we do now, that box has been ticked. We will all have the opportunity. We will all be resurrected into perfected bodies. Now, our agency is up again when it comes to the second half of this right? This is the part where we still need to make choices. We need to choose, right? The whole point we're here is to see if we still choose Heavenly Father's plan. And we choose to give up our natural man tendencies. We choose to follow Christ so that we can be saved from spiritual death as well. So we might have eternal life. Um, And I think sometimes the world gets out a little confused. It's one of those plain and precious truths that was kind of lost in, in the translation, right? Um, we still have to make choices to be saved eternally, to have that eternal life. Um, so second Nephi chapter 25 verses 23 and 26, it talks about how we know that by grace we are saved after all we can do. And I like the idea, this is gospel according to Donica right here. I like the idea that the after all we can do is the talk of Christ, Christ, rejoice in Christ, preach of Christ, prophesy, write of that, like that Christ is your main focus and that that's all that you can do, right? We can't control so much of the world, (laughs) any of it really. Um, but we can control how we follow Christ. And if you give your will up to him entirely and say, whatever it is you say I need to do, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and I love that we do all of this so our children may know what to what source they may look for the remission of their sins. And I think about um, Alma and Alma the Younger and how when Alma the Younger was in the depths of despair he remembered his father teaching him about Christ. And so that's where he reached 
that's exactly that's where he went and that's that's what got him out of that so let's look at application um i love what nephi says so first nephi chapter 11 verse 17 i love what he says at the beginning of his vision of um of everything that's happening of christ's life um the angel asks him you know do you know do you know what the purpose of Christ, or he, I can't remember exactly, guys. My pregnancy brain is, it's a bag full of cats up there. So Nephi says, I know that he loveth his children. Nevertheless, I do not know the meaning of all things. And I think that that's such a perfect example of what faith is, is knowing that Heavenly Father and that Christ love us so much. And there are some things in this world we're just not going to get answers to right now. And being able to say, you know, I don't know the meaning of all things, but I do know that Heavenly Father loves his children. I know that Christ loves his brothers and sisters. And so I'm going to trust that whatever it is that they're telling me to do is in my best interest. And I'm going to follow that. Um, and the one thing that really stuck out to me while reading all of these different, jumping through Book of Mormon, um, the, the New Testament was the one thing that really stuck out was in Luke 2 in verses 19 and 51. So 19, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then in 51, this is right after um, Christ is 12 years old. He was in the temple. <laughs> Joseph and Mary lost him for three days. And I was like, you know what? I don't feel so bad about my parenting. I didn't lose the Savior for three days, so I don't feel too bad. Um, you know, if my kids are eating Cheetos off the floor, it's fine. We'll all be fine. Um, so in Luke two, chapter or chapter two, verse 51, it talks about his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Um, and that, those are the two verses that really stood out to me as I was studying. And I love this idea of that sometimes we just... There's so much, there's so much to absorb and so much to understand and that we have to have the pondering part down, right? We have to keep these things in our heart. Um, and one of the questions the come follow me lesson asked was how would your life be different if Christ hadn't come? How, how is your life different because he did come? Um, and I was thinking about this for myself and thinking about if Christ had never come, if he had never come to the earth, if there was no gospel, there was no church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I wouldn't even exist. You guys, I would not even exist. My grandparents would have never moved from Chicago to, um, to Utah, um, where my mom met my dad at a church dance. <laughs> I wouldn't exist. My parents would have never met each other. Um, and I think about the things I've gone through in my life and how there have been so many times when I've turned to my husband, I said, I don't know how people do this without the gospel. Like, I don't understand how people make it through this without that knowledge of eternal families and that knowledge of a loving heavenly father and an ever understanding savior. Like, I don't understand how they do it. Um, and I just, as we finish off this year and as we go into Christmas this weekend, um, I invite you to really think about Christ and how 
his life and the many things that he went through for you has impacted you. Um, and I think it'll make Christmas morning a little more tender. Um, and I leave this with you and I wish you a very happy Christmas and I will see you next week.